What's going on? Welcome back to WFS, The Will Ford Show, episode 164. And so far, my prediction, it's coming to fruition for the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors lead the Finals three games to two over the Boston Celtics. And I predicted the Warriors would win in six games, but wouldn't be surprised if it went to seven. Warriors lead 3-2, lead by a game going into game six. Have a chance to close it out, and Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond have a chance to get their fourth championship. Now, my prediction so far is correct, but to be honest with you, it's went a lot differently than I kind of expected it to. Um, I thought that Golden State's bench, their production, their role players would perform a lot better than Boston's, considering that Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, only played with seven or eight guys. And those guys played, you know, okay. They weren't fantastic, but they have been great in this these finals against the Warriors. You look at Robert Williams, who's been averaging a couple of block shots a game. And he's a guy who, over the last couple of seasons, hasn't really played through injuries. And Emi Udoka the coach for the Boston Celtics has really instilled a toughness in him to play through injuries. I mean, this guy, Robert Williams, just had a knee surgery, you know, a month or so ago, and he's back playing pretty well in these finals and honestly might be the most valuable player in the series, at least for Boston. Um, He's not the best player. I'm not saying that he's the best player in the series, but he's the most valuable for Boston because of what he provides defensively on the interior, blocking shots, but he can also get out on the perimeter and defend guys that way as well. You can you you can put him in switches on pick and roll situations and he can actually defend it relatively well. He is the most valuable player when it comes to what Boston does defensively and Boston the best defensive team in the league. You know, him, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year. You could argue Robert Williams should have been up there as well in in the running. Their defense is fantastic, and really, I think in this series, it's because of Robert Williams, and he's made a a tremendous impact. Now, he doesn't score a whole lot of points. It's like 6.6 boards. You know, it's it's nothing that is going to win the Bill Russell Most Valuable Player Award. But really, that award is about most outstanding player, who has the best stats. Robert Williams obviously doesn't have that, and he won't have that in the remaining potential two games if there if there is a game seven. But he's been extremely valuable for them. Um, then you look at guys like Peyton Pritchard coming in and hitting threes, hitting some shots. Grant Williams. Al Horford at his advanced age, uh, he, he plays some big minutes and makes some big plays near the end of games to kind of close out some games. And then, you know, Jason Tatum has kind of been all right. He's just been okay. Uh, He hasn't been the star of the show. He's been more of a facilitator than he has been an offensive juggernaut and scorer. Now in game five, he did score 27, five of nine from three, 10 rebounds, a double, double. Uh, But that's really been the only game where he has been extremely productive when it comes to scoring the basketball. Um, Other than Game five, he's just he's been okay. And it's been the role players that have kind of picked it up. You know, Marcus Smart, he had 20 in game five, but he's been really good throughout the series. I mentioned Robert Williams, Al Horford, guys off the bench. Jalen Brown had 18. 
everyone for Boston is chipping in, playing well. And honestly, I don't know. Like, if Boston were to come back and win this series, I don't know who would be most valuable player. Because there's been a lot of guys that have played really well. When you look at Golden State, Golden State for the first four games relied heavily on production from Stephen Curry. Steph Curry was the not only the conductor of the train, but he had to drive the train himself with no help. Clay Thompson's been on and off. Jordan Poole hit or miss. Draymond Green has been mostly awful. Andrew Wiggins has really been one of the only guys that he can kind of lean on, and Wiggins isn't an upper... He was an all-star this year, but he's not up there with the upper echelon of the league. And so Steph Curry, you know, for the Warriors to be successful, Steph Curry is needed to be excellent for at least three quarters, probably even four if Golden State were to win games. But for Boston, they can win games without their star being the star because everyone else is chipping in. And the the thing, too, about Boston um, that kind of surprised me is I uh, – I thought this series was one of strength on strength. It was three-point shooting versus defending the three-point shot. And one thing that Golden State does better than anybody, aside from shoot the basketball, it's go on runs in the third quarter. Golden State comes out of the half in every game, guns a-blazing, hitting shots, going on 15-2 to two runs, 20-7 to seven runs. Like They just go on these big runs where they extend their leads beyond double digits, suffocate their opponent in the third quarter, and then they just cruise in the fourth quarter, and they can kind of take their foot off the gas pedal. And Golden State's been doing that all year long and really for the last five or six years. Boston has an unbelievable ability to just hang in there. That's all they got to do is just... Because Boston does go on stretches where they won't score for six, seven, eight minutes. And that can be very dangerous against a team like Golden State, especially in the third quarter. But their defense, you know, I I thought their defense would eventually just break against Golden State. And, you know, they wouldn't be able to withstand these these big runs from the Warriors. But Boston just does a, a tremendous job of just hanging in there, bending tremendously, but not breaking. They could not score for four, five, six minutes. Golden State may only, it could be a tie game. Boston doesn't score for five or six minutes, and they're only down 10 at the end of the quarter or at the end of that six or seven minute stretch, however long it is. Boston just does a great job stopping the bleeding, or really not even stopping the bleeding, it's preventing the bleeding from even happening. They just hang in there. It's all about damage control for them. They control the damage and they keep themselves within striking distance. All they need to go all they need to do is just go on a, a little run of their own. If they're down 10, they just need to go on a 6-0 run, just a couple baskets and they're right there. I mean, that's how good their defense is. It's been extremely consistent. They don't fall off at all. The effort is always there and the performance is always there too. And this Boston team has really surprised me, considering that the first two months of the season, not the best. They The Celtics were pretty bad for the first two months of the year. And M.A. Uh he is a remarkable coach. 
He was an assistant in Philly and in Brooklyn the last couple of years. And now the head coach of Boston, Brad Stevens, brought him in. He is quite the opposite of Brad Stevens. He's kind of a hard-nosed defensive coach who really wanted to put the focus on Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and get those guys to be tougher and be the leaders of this team, especially Marcus Smart. And they just play with such fire on defense and such consistent effort. And I think they struggled to buy into that for the first two months of the year because they were so used to the ways of Brad Stevens. But Brad Stevens, I think, no longer got through to those younger players. They, they responded very well to Brad Stevens in the first couple of years, but then his message eventually got stale. And that's why we were wondering whether or not this team should break it up and start anew. You know, trade like Jalen Brown to Portland for Damian Lillard. Like there were talks like that or trade for Bradley Beal or anything to switch it up and make things better. And they, I mean, credit to the Celtics, you know, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, even though he's not there anymore, but credit to them for keeping this thing together. And now they've got the right coach who have reinstilled a new message to them. Yes, it took them a while to buy in. It was met with some resistance. But Udoka is the kind of guy that he'll call you out. I mean, there's been press conferences where he's called out Brad Stevens. You know, when he was first introduced, they asked him one thing he would like to change. And he said, well, you know, we're 27th in assists. We need to be better at that. And he looked right at Brad Stevens and said, I'm sorry, but, I mean, that's what we are. And so the thing he's also done, too, is made Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, instead of them both trying to be the star, one-on-one players, he's turned them both into playmakers and facilitators, guys who, yes, are very good at creating their own shot, but should place more emphasis on creating shots for others. That's why we see guys like Peyton Pritchard coming in and hitting some shots. Marcus Smart is scoring a little bit more consistently. They find Al Horford in the corner for a spot-up three. Like They've become much more efficient playmakers, facilitators, than one-on-one scorers. Now, can they go get you a bucket when you need one? Of course. But when they're both trying to be one-on-one players, the offense gets really stale, really stagnant, and those two are just passing them back and forth between each other. And, and that was met with resistance at first. But Udoka, Udoka really figured it out, figured out what this team needed. And he's got him to a finals in his first season as a coach. It's pretty remarkable considering how young this team is. And like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they haven't even hit their primes yet. They're 24, 25 years old. They've really got you know a couple years before they're really in their prime. And then their prime is, you know, from 27 to 32. The Celtics have been remarkable. And when you look at the other side of things, the Warriors, their stars are, I would say, on the back end of their prime or exiting their prime. Like Draymond Green, I think, is exiting his prime. Klay Thompson, it's hard to tell. Uh, it's, It's really hard to say because he's coming back from two lower leg injuries that, you know, it's not even his fault. Like, that's just bad luck. And so he is not, although he played well the other night in game five, 18 points or or something of that nature, 15 to 18 points, five threes, 
we don't know if he's going to be able to get back to full, full strength because it doesn't look like he is. He's not as good defensively. He's a great spot-up shooter. He's always been a great spot-up shooter. That's the clay we know. But as far as like creating for himself off the dribble, he can't really do that. Not that well. And I think it's because of those lower leg injuries and him just not being fully back yet. So, But Clay is definitely on the back end of his prime, for, for sure. And Steph is on the back end of his prime. I mean, he's in his mid-30s now, almost mid-30s. So those guys are getting older. And then when you look at the, the young stars that they have, I mean, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kuminga, Gary Payton, um, those guys are all really, really young. They're 19, 20, 21 years old. So they still have a couple of years. And even Wiseman, James Wiseman, he is young. He's injured, so he's not playing in this series. But they've got a lot of really, really young guys that could potentially be all-star caliber players. But they're all just too young right now, 19, 20, 21 years old. Give them two to three more years of playing and then as Curry and Clay and Draymond and even Andre Iguodala, who doesn't play that much anymore, but like you a few years from now, they will phase out completely. And then those guys will rise up, and the Warriors are still going to be a great team. Boston has a lot of guys around the same age playing really well right now. And Golden State. It seems like they're kind of more set up for the future. But here Golden State is, just a couple years removed from their last championship and their last finals appearance, leading 3-2 against Boston. And really it's the championship experience that I think has gotten the Warriors here because, yeah, they've relied heavily on on Steph to, to win them some games. And really it's been all on him. But in the last game, Game 5, Steph Curry had 16 points, 8 assists, he was 0 of 9 from three-point land. None. No threes. And that breaks a streak of 223 consecutive games with a three. 133 straight playoff games. And he's also had more than one three in 38 straight playoff games. So Curry broke a an insane streak last night. Curry was not fantastic shooting the ball. He did have eight assists. The plus-minus was really good. He affected the game in other ways, knowing he wasn't shooting the ball well. And Golden State still won. And I think that's now the concerning thing for Boston. It was great for Boston at first because they were playing well without Jason Tatum being the best, and they were winning games. And for Golden State to win, they needed Steph Curry to be great. Now it's looking like it's kind of the inverse. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were pretty good in Game 5. Their role players didn't play as well. Robert Williams had no blocks, didn't have that great of a defensive presence. Steph Curry was kind of average. Clay hit five threes. Andrew Wiggins, 26 points and 13 rebounds. He was their best player in Game 5. So now it's looking like it's flipping here a little bit. Warriors have all the momentum. Golden State with a chance to close it out in six. And that would make my prediction come true. One other thing that I wanted to touch on in this show, and this will be the last thing that I talk about. So I saw a story the other day. Anthony Davis apparently hasn't 
played much basketball in the last couple of months. And here's what Anthony Davis said in a video. I saw it on Bleacher Report, but here is what Anthony Davis said about what he's done this offseason. I haven't shot a basketball since no final April, April, like maybe like April 5th. Like where you actually shot a basketball. Probably like April 5th. That is unacceptable. I don't know if you heard what he said very clearly. That video is from Bleacher Report. Anthony Davis hasn't touched a basketball since April 5th. And that video was a couple days ago on like June 12th. You're telling me that he hasn't touched a basketball in nine weeks? Nine weeks. Now, typically, Anthony Davis, after a season finishes, he'll take a month off from basketball, which I think is fair. Uh, I it's a four-month off off season. Players deserve to take a little bit of time off to themselves, you know, for a couple weeks, a month or so, um, whatever. Yeah, like that. That's fine. I get it. But Anthony Davis took off four months during the season because he was injured so much. And now you're telling me he needed another month off. I mean, what is he doing for that entire month? That's what I want to know because he is so injury prone. And I, it's not even that he's injury-prone. Like, if someone's just injury-prone, they have bad luck with injuries, like Derek Rose, I totally – I get it. It's unfortunate. That's just how it is. But Anthony Davis doesn't take care of his body. That's why he gets hurt so often because he doesn't take care of himself. And so if he's just sitting around for a month, not getting stronger, not strengthening you know, his ankles or his knees or anything like – because that's typically what he hurts the most is his ankles, knees, feet things like that, his lower extremities. If he's not taking care of that stuff, then what are you doing? And you're not even and, – and it's not that he hasn't, like, played competitively in a month. Like, he's playing in the gym with some friends or anything, with some teammates. He hasn't touched a basketball. He hasn't touched one. What do you mean you haven't touched one? You haven't went out and shot free throws for 20 minutes at least once here and there? That's what you're telling me? You haven't touched a basketball in nine weeks? That, to me, that shows that Anthony Davis, he's just not a gamer. He's not a grinder. He just does not have passion for basketball. He doesn't. And that is why the Los Angeles Lakers will never win another NBA title as long as he is on the roster, as long as Anthony Davis is in LA with LeBron or whoever he's with, doesn't even really matter. Lakers aren't winning a championship because Anthony Davis is not committed to the full 82 game grind plus the playoffs. So you're looking at over a hundred games. Anthony Davis isn't committed to that because he misses, he played 40 games this year. So he missed half the season and wasn't taking care of his body during the season. Now he needed another month off after the season finished in April, to me, that's inexcusable. And I, and I wish, you know, cause I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, unfortunately to, to see that that's pretty surprising. Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul. I think is shaking his head right now. If Kobe was still walking on this earth, he would have 80 in the gym every single day, every day. And that's why I'm not sure why LeBron doesn't have AD in the gym. LeBron should be working AD's tail, getting him stronger. We know how skilled Anthony Davis is. It's not a skill thing with Anthony Davis. It's just a health thing. Get him in the gym working out. 
So that way he can condition his body for a long grind. Because LeBron's window, it's closing. He's probably only got another year or two left in terms of, like, productive years. champ, Like, potentially championship-winning years. LeBron can play that well. He's certainly on the decline. But he can play well enough to win you a championship, I think, if he's got everything around him healthy. And then Anthony Davis is a big part of that. And he's taking a month off after the season finishes. But this is more than a month. This is... Nine weeks, two months and a week he's taken off from basketball. That, to me, is very, very concerning. And if I'm the Lakers, I don't like the look of that. If I'm LeBron, I don't like that. If I'm Kobe, rest in peace, he don't like that either. And I know the Lakers fans don't like it. And things better change if the Lakers want to get back into championship contention because right now, they're just a super talented team, you know, with Russ and LeBron and Anthony Davis. A super talented team that underachieves. And personally, I would rather be a fan of a team that sucks and we have an excuse for it. Like, you know, we have young developing talent like the Lakers, you know, five, six years ago. I would rather that than have a team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, two of the at worst, top 10 players on the planet, plus Russell Westbrook, who I think is a top 20 to 25 player, a team like that with arguably one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time, and we underachieve. And by underachieve, I don't just mean like make the playoffs and we get bounced out in the Western Conference Finals or West Semis or something like that. We're not even making the playoffs. So I would rather be a bad team and have an excuse for it than have these three great players and we underachieve and not even make the playoffs. To me, that is embarrassing, especially for an organization as storied and that has so much history as the Los Angeles Lakers. That's all from me. I'm done ranting. Thanks for tuning in to episode 164 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Game six of the NBA Finals coming up. I predicted Warriors in six. I'm going to stand by it. Steph Curry, I think, will win finals MVP if they do win. Uh, aside from having a terrible game five, um, as far as shooting the basketball, he's had a great series. He should win finals MVP. I don't want to hear any Andrew Wiggins talk about him winning finals MVP. I think that would be unbelievably disappointing uh, if it was Andrew Wiggins. And that would be blasphemous. But game six coming up. And uh, we'll see you in episode 165. This is WFS, The World Ford Show.